Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned into the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, JC, John Coleman. Dustin. Good morning to you, sir. Look at this. Look at this. Hey. The new setup? New, new mugs? Cup, new cup. Yes. You know, once you make it past 100 episodes, yeah. it's time to start changing some stuff up. I see that, man. That's legit. Yeah. Look at these. Look at these little welcome package. We're celebrating here at Waterstone Mortgage. It's, this is the week of our annual Momentum Sales Conference. Yep. So they've been showering us with goodies. Yes. We are supposed to be in Nashville. Like, like. Oh, yeah, uh, I forgot about that. Yeah, so oh, every, yeah. every year our company puts on this sales rally. It's a national sales rally. Anyone in sales is invited to it. And we basically go Vegas, somewhere else, Vegas, somewhere else, Vegas. <laughs> yeah. And Vegas... Phoenix, Vegas, San Diego, Vegas, Nashville. Mm. But Nashville got canceled mm. due to the Rona. Yeah. So we're doing it virtually, but they're trying to give it a Nashville feel. Oh, that's cool. And you and I know these copper mugs for which type of drink? A Moscow Mule, sir. A Moscow Mule, yes. yes. But there's also something known as a Tennessee Mule. Okay. And instead of making it with vodka. Uh-huh. Moscow vodka. Okay, Tennessee whiskey. Whiskey. There yeah. You go. yeah. So you you make it with whiskey. So we all got these really cool kits with like this little uh, miniature bottle of Jack Daniels. We got these these mugs. We got ah, some yeah. some of the fixins uh, because uh, later this week we're going to get on a virtual conference yeah. Zoominar. Yes. <laughs> Zoominars. Yeah. And we're going to celebrate 2020. Nice. That's after we spent a whole entire day collaborating and learning. Uh, how we can continue to be great practitioners of the mortgage industry. For sure. It's not about doing more of what worked in 2020. Mm -hmm. It's about figuring out what it's going to take to be successful in 2021, 2022, and beyond. Yep. While also celebrating everything that worked in 2020. Correct. Yep. So I figured, you know what? Wifey already has her own right. entire setup because my wife is a huge connoisseur of Moscow mules. Okay. So we already have... The copper pitcher, oh, and we already a, have yeah. the mugs and the whole thing. We actually will take them on vacations with us if we're going somewhere where we want to indulge. Mm. And I said, well, would you ever want to take these wonderful Waterstone Mortgage Copper mugs? And she's like, no, I really like mine. <clears throat> so I, said, I, I told her, I'm like, well, guess what? They won't go to waste. It's fine, yeah. John Coleman would love to use them yes. as a prop yeah. and for in real the life. podcast and in <laughs> real life. We are going to do that one day. Yes. We are, once we, you and I are comfortable with where we stand mm -hmm. in the podcast world, yeah, I think we should start indulging in some celebratory cocktails. I on mean, the show. I'm all for it, but it just so happens that we tend to record these during the week, uh, day, and the morning time. So if you're cool with me showing up, hammering some Negronis at like 11:45 a.m., how about a Negroni, not a couple? <laughs> because yeah, I've had a Negroni. It only takes one. Oh, it only takes one. It only takes one, and you're feeling it. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, you know what though? I, I want to. We we're not. We haven't quite made it yet. Yeah. Once we feel like we've made, made it, it. Yeah. Made it. Okay. Yeah. Deal. So um, today's episode. Yes. You were part of the inspiration okay. of today's episode. You yes. and actually Brian Young mm -hmm. with Home Lending Pal. Okay. Shout uh, out Brian had, Young. Yeah. Shout out Brian Young. We had we had Brian on the show probably a couple months ago. Yep. Uh, he's a serial entrepreneur. He's been like, his episode, by the way, I think anyone and everyone should go watch it yeah. because it's very inspirational for one. It's very encouraging for, for two, but you're talking to someone who who started his first company at 17 and sold it. In the in the meantime, he has started and sold, I think, three total companies. Yeah. He's been named Entrepreneur Entrepreneur of the Year by Ernst & Young, and he currently has a tech startup 
that is positioning itself to be a unicorn. A unicorn is a company that grows from the bottom, from the beginning, from the early stages, Mm -hmm. the infancy, and becomes a billion-dollar organization. Mm -hmm. That's what Brian is doing. And Brian and I actually had lunch last week, Mm -hmm. just catching up, talking shop, uh, doing some networking. And um, this topic was brought up. You've brought it up in the in the past, and I'm thinking, well, like most things, well, let's do a show on it. <laughs> yep. Let's do a show on yeah. it. So mm-hmm. for our guests, for our listeners, for those people who are tuning in on Apple Podcasts, who are tuning in on Spotify, who are tuning in on YouTube, mm-hmm. basically anywhere you can find podcasts or YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, for those people who check us out on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, yep. at The Loan Officer Podcast, or they check me out just because they, they're connected with me on LinkedIn, Dustin Owen. Yep. This episode yes. is going to be yes. What? Oh, for oh, okay. This episode, Justin, <laughs> is going to be arms aren't evil, and that's an acronym. Arm. Yes. Arms, arms are not evil. Are not evil. Let me ask you a question. Yes. Um, you knew little yes. about the mortgage industry. Very little. Going into fifteen months ago. Correct. Okay. When when you were still a um, Emmy Award winner mm-hmm. at EA Sports. Yep. But you're college educated. Yeah. Uh, your, your income puts you at a level that puts you above average. Yeah. Um, and you thought, what about adjustable rate mortgages? They're bad. Stay away from them. They're but, bad. Stay away from yeah, them. Yeah, because you get locked in at a low rate, and then before you know it, you'll be paying 5.7% and be like, how'd this happen? Well, Mr. Coleman, you signed up for an arm. That's just the way it goes. Yeah. And I'm like, bullshit. Arms are not evil. Arms are, are very good vehicles, financing instruments. For a lot of home buyers, very few people actually partake in arms because of the misconception that was derived from the financial collapse of 2007, 2008. Very well said. Okay. So would you like me to explain? Please do. Would you allow me to get on my pedestal oh, and God. begin to preach? I'm winding you up right now, man. You are <laughs> winding me up because look, um, is drinking Coca-Cola terrible? No. Do bad things happen when you drink too much Coca-Cola at one sitting? Yes. What happens? You get bloated. You get sick. Bad. You get sick? Yeah. I've never become sick. I've become bloated. Too much Coca-Cola? I've become bloated. Yeah. You get gassy. I've become gassy. Maybe I belch. Maybe I fart after running to the bathroom and pee a lot. Yeah. But what happens when I add Crown Royal to that Coke? I mean, it becomes a party. Yeah. For the first two or three. What happens after five? Uh, it's time to leave. How about seven? Please leave. How about 10? Cops are called. How about 12? You're in jail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or the hospital. Yeah, yeah. Right? Alcohol poisoning. Yeah. You know, lead to potential fights. Those <laughs> fights lead to death, injury, <laughs> arrest. Yes. Um, it leads to doing stupid things like driving my vehicle, getting potentially yeah. killing someone or myself, yeah. or at least getting a DUI and going to jail for a couple nights, and then all the fines and the and the um, the driving yep. privileges being revoked, right? Yep. So what I'm getting at, Coke by itself, very enjoyable. Yeah. Crown mixed with Coke in moderation, no big deal. Yeah. Too much Crown and Coke, disastrous. Yes. Okay, arms which ARM, A-R-M, Adjustable Rate Mortgage, gets a bad rap because it gets linked in with subprime loans. Mm -hmm. But an ARM is not a subprime loan. An ARM by itself is just an ARM. It's an adjustable rate mortgage. But during the time frame of 2003 
through 2007, just about every subprime loan was an arm. So therefore, when we had the financial collapse in the media, which by the way, the media doesn't know the mortgage industry. The media hops on a phone call with someone like me for a whopping five minutes, asks me a few questions, doesn't dig deep enough, doesn't dive deep enough. They, they take my answers at the surface level, then they go write a quick news piece on it, okay? Yeah. So they don't really understand what they're commenting on, what mm. they're reporting on. But they'll just say, oh, well, all of these subprime arms, and then it becomes all of these arms. Yeah, that's very true. Well, no, they're subprime arms. Subprime is a loan given to someone who didn't meet the strict requirements of qualifying for financing. Oh, yeah. They just so happen to be put on armed products. There's also prime loans, right? Prime would be someone that they qualify. Their income is provable. Their credit score is, is good to great to at least average. Uh, they're putting their own money down. Like it's a prime loan. It's a good loan. Mm -hmm. You can obtain an arm financing, whether it's conventional, FHA, or VA. Those are good loans, and you can still get an arm. That's what I was going to ask. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can still get an adjustable rate mortgage. But we, those of us that, that only know buying a home circa 2008 and beyond, which is most people, yeah. we only think, oh, arms are evil. Yeah. Because subprime arms were evil. Right, a subprime arm. Well, first let's do this. Let's talk about what does an arm mean. Yes, please. Let's let's separate arm from subprime loans. First and foremost, subprime loans were loans. Let me just paraphrase this: loans given to people who probably should never have gotten a loan. Yeah. Period. End of story. Yeah. Their credit score was too low. They weren't putting any money down. They couldn't prove their income, etc. And then you can compound that with. They have bad credit and they're not putting money down and we can't prove their income and we still gave them a loan. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like subprime was just that. And I use the word probably because there's always going to be an exception. I bought my first house on a loan that was in between subprime and in between prime. Mm -hmm. I was not subprime because my credit score was, I don't know, 680 at the time. So that was at least average. And I was putting, um, 5% down, but it was a no-doc loan. I couldn't prove my income. And when I obtained that home loan, the loan products that were available to me were some kind of an adjustable rate mortgage. But I was, so that, that was called alternative A. Mm -hmm. I was A because of my credit score, but I was alternative because I didn't meet the requirements of conforming loan guidelines. Mm -hmm. Subprime would have been if my credit score was maybe below a 620 and I was trying to obtain the same loan or my credit score was below a 600 and I was trying to obtain the, the same loan. So subprime in general, just think for most individuals, it was, it was loans for people who should not have been getting a loan. I use myself as an example because I still own that, that home. I've never missed a payment. I have tons of equity in the home today. Yeah. Um, and I could have been deemed or I could have been put into a product that some would have considered subprime. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to say that all subprime loans were loans for people who shouldn't have been obtaining, but most, mm -hmm. a good percentage, larger percentage than 70, 80% subprime loans were, were for loans for people who should never have been, been afforded the ability to finance. Yep. An arm, an arm is one in which your interest rate is fixed for a certain time period. All right. Usually three, five, seven, or 10 years. It's an adjustable rate mortgage, meaning the rate will eventually adjust. So if you have an, in most arms 
are either 20 or 30 year loans, meaning your payment is calculated over a 20 year or 30 year repayment schedule. So we call that in the industry an amortization schedule, mm-hmm. right? Amortization means it's principal and interest. And, and, and we're going to figure out how much money you owe each month based on are you trying to pay this loan off in 20 years or over 30 years? Yeah, makes sense. So a three-year arm would mean your rate is only fixed for three years. A five-year arm means your rate is only fixed for five years. What do you think a seven-year arm means? It's only fixed for seven years? Your rate's fixed for seven years. And then an, a 10-year arm? Likewise, it's only fixed for 10 years. Your rate is fixed for 10 years. Mm-hmm. All right, well, to each is their own. We each are unique snowflakes, right? Yeah. We're all different. We're all, we all have our, our, our nuances and our, our goals. Some people buy homes with the understanding that they're only gonna own this home for three to five years. Maybe you're an engineer who just moved from Houston to Orlando because your company has a project going on at Kennedy Space Center and that project is only a two year contract. Mm -hmm. At which point you're going to be moved either back to Houston or maybe to Huntsville, Alabama, but you know the likelihood of you is not staying in Orlando for greater than three years. Some people buy a home and their goal is to have that home paid off in the next 18 months. Maybe they're expecting a cash windfall because Granny's getting ready to pass away. Maybe they're expecting to sell a property up in Massachusetts, and when that home sells, they're going to pay off their mortgage. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's you know we, we all have our different um, different phases in life mm-hmm. and different monetary financial goals for for long term. Wealth creation, wealth preservation, et cetera. Based on those years, does the rate adjust? Like, so for the 10-year, are you going to get a higher rate than you would if you're looking for, like, a three-year arm? That's a great question. Yes. Yeah, and I'll, I'll get to okay, that. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll, right, I'll 100% get to okay. that. What I'm trying to get at is just understanding that very few people buy a home with the next 15, 20, or 30 years in mind. Mm-hmm. And if you do, we've talked about this numerous times on this show. Go back and, and check out some of our previous episodes, especially those that when we talk about buying a home. And we, we give home buying tips. We teach, never look at it from a 15, 20, yeah, or 30 year perspective. What do we teach? Seven years? So on average, you say the average homeowner will either refi, move every seven to nine years? Yeah. It used to be every five years. But since the financial collapse of seven and eight, consumer behavior has shifted to be more conservative, which, by the way, is a good thing. We're saving money more, you know, at a, at a higher propensity that we used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're, we're, a little bit more conservative with our fiscal outlook because of the lessons that we learned. But it used to be every five years. Now it's every seven. Statistically speaking, you are going to either refinance, which means obtain a new home loan, sell your home, or pay off your current mortgage within seven years. So everything that you do, you should look at in a five to 10 year window, depending on on your particulars. Right? If you're a younger professional right out of college, you may own your first house for only five years because five years down the road, your income doubled. You're now married and the first kid's on the way. Yeah. Life changes are going to, are going to force you to potentially you sell your house, your new spouse sells his or her house. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to take that equity. You're going to roll it into a newer, bigger home that is going to allow you to, to grow and start a family. Hmm. Okay. So that, that's a reason. Some people, they are downsizing right? They're selling that second house, that forever house, because their youngest just went off to college, Mm -hmm. at which point they're putting a lot of money down on their third and final home. And maybe they're 55 years old and maybe they want to retire at 62. And when they retire, they want to retire 
debt-free and debt-free to them means not having a mortgage. Mm -hmm. So their financial plan has them buying a home. Maybe they went from a big four bedroom, three bath home into a three bedroom, two bath town home because they're downsizing. And the goal is to have that home paid off in five to seven years. Mm. Right. So like we, we all have these various financial outlooks and goals that we're trying to achieve. And normally they're seven to nine years. Mm -hmm. That's just a food for thought kind of laying the foundation for why arms aren't evil. Mm. So understanding first, you know, again, what an arm is. So it's going to be three, five, seven, or 10 years, and the rate's going to be fixed in. To answer your question, a good rule of thumb is that if you're only fixing your rate in for three years, that rate should be lower than if you're fixing the rate in for 10 years, right? Because you have to think banks and lenders are, are going to incentivize you to go um, with a three-year adjustable rate by offering a lower rate, because that means you're either going to have that home refinanced, or you're going to have that home, that loan paid off in three years. So they're not having to, to lock you in and hedge for what if rates go up. The reason why an interest rate is more expensive the longer you lock it for is because banks have to hedge for the unknown. Like if I hold your 30-year fixed mortgage on my books at 3% or 2.75%, and in eight years you still have that loan, what if inflation is 3%? What if I'm having to pay my depositors 4% on CDs? Well, I'm at a, I'm at a negative delta on my money. Mm -hmm. I'm only collecting 3% from you, and that's gross. That's, that's, that's before I pay all of the servicing fees that I have to pay to have someone actually collect your payments, keep your taxes uh, up to date, mm -hmm. your insurance renewed, et cetera, and, and I'm paying out 4%. So the, the longer you lock in an interest rate, the less uncertain it becomes for the banker lender who you're actually making that payment to, the higher they're going to charge. Mm, okay. Like in, in countries like Canada and England and Australia, there's no such thing as a 15, 20, or 30-year fixed rate loan. What is it? Everything is adjustable. Really? Yeah, everything mm. is adjustable. In the banking world, it is asinine to ever lock in an interest rate for a period longer than, than you and your fancy, super smart economists can project. Because the unknown is what's scary. When I'm only collecting 3 or 4% from you, what happens if I have to start paying 4 or 5% to my depositors? Because as a bank, that's how I make my money, right? Mm -hmm. I, I pay people to deposit their money with me so that I can turn around and lend that money out to others who need it. Right. And I'm just trying to pick up the arbitrage. The, there's a small spread in between. Well, if I'm only collecting 3%, but now all of a sudden I'm having to pay people 4% to deposit the money, like I'm that. negative. Yeah. I'm losing money in that proposition. The reason why in the American housing sector, we're able to offer 15, 20, and 30-year fixed mortgages is because our government subsidizes it. That is the FHFA. That is Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. That is HUD with FHA. That is VA with VA loans and mm -hmm. the United States Department of Agriculture with, with USDA loans. Because our government subsidizes, they basically create liquidity. I'm going way off tangent here. No. Like they create liquidity in the marketplace that then allows banks and lenders to create the loan, package it and sell it. So that way they're guaranteed a profit up front by selling it and getting it packaged off as a mortgage-backed security or a bond. Okay. Okay. So Canada doesn't do that. England doesn't do that. Australia doesn't do they that. They all have arms all day. Yeah. Some form of an arm. It's, it may be a 25-year loan, but every five years, your interest rate resets based on the current market conditions. Question for you. Do arms ever go down? Yes. 
Yes, I'm glad you asked that question. And okay. I know you're asking it because you're, you're wholeheartedly. <laughs> yeah. So so let me answer, let me first explain this. A subprime arm mm-hmm. probably didn't ever have a chance of going down. Yeah. They were evil. There's no denying that. Let's go on record. Subprime arms were evil. They had teaser rates. You typically only had your rate fixed for two or three years. And it was fixed in at, let's say, 7%. But if you actually read the fine print, there was never an opportunity for that rate to ever be 7 or 8% again. Mm. Now, by the way, you're fixing them in at 7 and 8% when the going interest rate was 6.5% or 7.5% or 7%. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was 2006, 2005, where rates were between 55 and 7%, depending on what you qualified okay. for in market movement. Okay. So to, to, to take a 7.5% rate for two or three years, the theory was in those two or three years, you were going to better your situation. You were going to get your credit score up. You were going to start paying taxes on your self-employed income. Mm -hmm. So now you would qualify. Good intentions. Yes. Yes, Gotcha. But normally the behavior that put someone in that situation that they had a 580 credit score or that they couldn't show or prove income to qualify, it didn't change Mm -hmm. over two or three years. And then the theory was, well, even if you don't change, John, you can just refinance into another subprime loan um, mm. because your home's going to go up by three or four percent per year, you'll have the equity. We'll just refinance you into another one. Gotcha. What transpired is that all of a sudden the housing bubble burst, and when the housing bubble burst, home values came crashing. When they came crashing, all of a sudden you didn't have equity. So not only did you not better your situation, meaning you didn't improve your credit score and you didn't make yourself stronger as a candidate for financing, yeah. but now all of a sudden you were supposed to have equity in that home, you don't. So now all of a sudden there were no loan programs for you to refinance into. Mm. So then all of a sudden you had two choices, three actually. Keep on making your payment, but it's gonna be hard to do when your interest rate just jumped from 7% to 10%. Mm -hmm. Um, You could short sell your house or you could let it go into foreclosure. And most people chose short sale or foreclosure. Some strategically, look, some people could have wholeheartedly made their payments. They just made a business decision. I don't fault them for it. Businesses do it all the time. Businesses make hard decisions every single day where they pay fines and penalties because to them, that was the path of least resistance. Businesses file for Chapter 13 bankruptcy, a reorganization of debt. Why? Because that's a good business decision. But there were people that, you know, because of those loan programs, the alternative would have been, though, for most of those people, they would have never gotten a home loan. And by the way, that probably was the better alternative. Yeah, was they, hey, John, you don't qualify. Mm-hmm. Go do X, Y, and Z and come back in a year. And if, if you fit, because it was lending that money out that created the hysteria yeah. that caused the bubble. Okay. All right. So back on arms and why they're not evil. Mm-hmm. Most arms, especially in today's day and age, because we don't have subprime loans anymore. We don't have those. They were called 228s or 327s where they brought you into a teaser rate. But if you read the fine print, you never were going to have a 7% rate or anything lower. Mm-hmm. It was only going to go yeah, up. Yeah. My arm that I still have, by the way, that I've had. So I bought my first house using a six-month adjustable rate mortgage. That meant every six months, my rate was going to go up or down based on what the LIBOR index did. It could have been LIBOR, it could have been coffee, it could be SOFR today, it could have been prime. Mm -hmm. The prime rate, the Federal Reserve, dictates what the prime rate does. The prime rate today is like the lowest it's ever been. If you had a mortgage that was adjustable based on prime, you'd be doing backflips. Because your rate right now might be somewhere in the 1% or 2% range. Yeah. So an arm 
So let's 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 back it up again. Yeah. Three, five, seven, or ten years. Your rate is fixed for that time period. Mm-hmm. The shorter you fix it in, the lower your rate should be initially. But conversely, the shorter you lock it in, that's the quicker that that rate's going to become adjustable. Just because it becomes adjustable is not a bad thing. Many arms have what are called caps. They have floors and they have maximums. So you very well could get a five-year arm today. A five-year arm today, your rate's fixed for how many years? Five years. For five years, yeah. This is this. I'm not trying to trick you. Okay, and then let's say it'll it'll and it's based on an index, and it's based on a margin. Can A plus B equal C? Your index could be prime, it could be LIBOR, or although LIBOR is going away, so then it could be coffee, it could be SOFR. Okay, let's say it's SOFR, S-O-F-R. Yeah, you can look that up, Wall Street Journal, what is SOFR? You can look up what is LIBOR, L-I-B-O-R, uh, what's the prime rate? Um, most arms back in the day were, were on LIBOR, but it's moving to SOFR. Um, and, and let's say I could look up on Wall Street Journal and it says today, the SOFR is 1.5%. My arm would be SOFR plus something. And let's say it's SOFR plus two. Okay, well, what's 1.5 plus two? 2.3.5. 3.5. So if, if my rate was no longer during that fixed period, then I know that it's going to adjust. It's going to adjust on the anniversary that I obtained my loan. Mm-hmm. And it's going to adjust that whatever the SOFR is on that day, or whatever the LIBOR is on that day, whatever the prime rate is on that day, plus two. That's what my rate's going to be for the next year. Okay. So then we fast forward one more year later. Mm-hmm. It's time to adjust again. It's going to go whatever the LIBOR is or whatever the SOFR is, whatever the prime rate is, plus how much? Two. Two. So it doesn't, so it's always plus two. It's never um, nope. factoring in how my, much money. My margin okay. is plus two. My index is LIBOR or SOFR or coffee. Regardless or, of how much is on your loan amount, regardless. Regardless. Of, okay. That's what my rate is going to be. Okay. So let's say when I obtained my home loan, I locked in a rate of 4%. And I locked it in at a 5-1 arm, so my rate was fixed for? Five months. Five, five, years. five years. Five years. And it was fixed on, it was, it was on one of those indexes. They're mm-hmm. called indexes. And then when my fifth year was up, my rate became adjustable. Okay. Okay, well now let's just say prime is one and a half. Okay. And my index is two. Yep. What's my rate going to be? Prime is three. Well, prime is one and a half. One and a half, three and a half. Three and a half. So what's better, four or three and a half? Three and a half. So is my situation better or worse now that I'm in year six? Better. Better. Yeah, let's say I get to year seven and prime drop from one and a half to one. I didn't see that. What's one plus two? Three. Okay. So when I first got my mortgage, my lender locked in my rate for five years at 4%. Yeah. The sec- my, on, on year six, it adjusted. And, and my rate was now three and a half, which was better. Year seven adjusted, my rate's now three. That's better. better yeah. I'm seven years into my loan. For the first five years, I locked in at four. The next year is three and a half. The next year is three. That sounds good. Yeah, so let's say disaster strikes. Yeah. Most, most arms have, have caps. They don't allow my rate to go up or down by more than 2% per adjustment period. Okay. Up or down. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that would mean if, I don't know, worst case happened. I was locked in at four, mm-hmm. and I don't know, f- on year six, after my five years were, were up and I was getting ready mm-hmm. to, to mm-hmm. adjust, prime was at five. Prime, prime was at seven. Okay. What seven plus two? 
Nine. Okay, so does my rate go to nine if I have a 2% cap? No. No, my rate goes to six. Remember, I started at four in this example. Oh, yeah. I have a 2% cap. Yeah. Okay, so my, my rate adjusts to six. Okay, cool. Now, if I went into an arm, honestly, John, and, and I, I was confident that, that I only needed my rate fixed for five years, that's because I only thought I was going to have this mortgage for five years. That meant I thought I was going to sell the home, pay off the mortgage, or have it refinanced mm -hmm. within five years. So for that reason, I probably, I'm not worried about years six and seven, but if I was, my arm has a cap mm -hmm. of no more, than, and most arms do, of, and mine was no more than 2% up or down per year. You could find them where it's no more than 1% up or down per year. It's up or down. So like, I guess in the reverse, what if you locked in at 6%, you had a 2% cap and your index when you, when you, you became mm -hmm. adjustable, look, you're going to become adjustable either after year three, after year five, after year seven, after year 10, depending on, did you do a three-year arm, a five-year arm, a seven-year arm, or a 10-year arm? But in this case, let's say I locked in initially at six, and all of a sudden, my index was one. Index would be the LIBOR, mm -hmm. the SOFR, mm -hmm. the, the coffee, et cetera. Or, and my, my, my index was one and my margin was two. Well, one plus two is three. Mm -hmm. But if, if I started at six and I had caps of no more than up or down by two, mm -hmm. then that means actually my rate wouldn't drop all the way down to three, it dropped to four. Okay. But is four still better than six? Yes. Am I still in a better position than what I started off on year one? Yes. Okay, so arms aren't evil. The, arms, arms are not evil. So when you say arms and you said that, because my question is like an arm isn't a separate product like FHA or VA or USDA. You can have a USDA loan that is an arm. Yes. Or you can have a VA loan that's an arm. Yes. So yes, an arm is a term. Okay. Do you want a 10-year loan, a 15-year loan, a 20-year loan, a 30-year loan? Or, or would you like an adjustable rate mortgage? Your adjustable rate mortgage, John, is still going to be a 30-year loan. All we mean is by adjustable rate oh, yeah. is, that, so your, is, is that your rate is only fixed for that time gotcha. period. Is, it's is, not necessarily an evil or a bad loan, especially when you're talking about the loans that were originating post-financial crisis. Yeah. Yes, there were bad subprime loans. And yes, just about every subprime loan was an arm. So yes, Crown Royal mixed with Coke can become disastrous. Yeah. But Coca-Cola by itself, it's really difficult to become disastrous. Uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, I could go buy a house today on a 30-year fixed mortgage and owning a home can still become uncomfortable yeah. because my taxes can go up, my insurance can go up, my home value can 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 drop a little bit. Home ownership is expensive in terms of maintenance. Mm -hmm. Shit's gonna break, roofs are gonna leak, you know, like yeah, yeah. but it's never gonna be disastrous. It's never gonna put me in a position where I'm like, oh my God, I can't afford this. Yeah. No, it's gonna put me in a situation where worst case, yes, your three hundred thousand dollar mortgage. Worst case, if your arm adjusted and your rate went up by 2%, yeah, you're going to feel a couple hundred dollar uh, increase in your payment. At which point you're going to have to do something. You're going to have to either look at paying the loan off, trying to refinance it into a lower rate. But I'm going to tell you, if your arm is adjusting upwards, it's probably because the market is dictating mm -hmm. higher interest rates yeah. across the board. Yeah. So it may very well be more difficult to... Um, to find a cheaper um, outlet. Yeah. So that's where arms are definitely not for everybody, right? And an arm is for somebody who 
could withstand the ebbs and flows of rates going up and rates going down. Like let's let's use me as an example. Okay. Because I bought my first house on a no doc loan putting 5% down with my 680 credit score. The loan program I chose was a 6-month adjustable. Every 6 months my rate adjusted based on an index and a margin. My my index was LIBOR, my margin was 2 and a half. Mm-hmm. As the six-month LIBOR, which I could go to Bloomberg.com or Wall Street Journal or Yahoo Finance, and I could type in, what is the six-month LIBOR today? And it would tell me. Mm -hmm. Um, I could add two and a half to it, and that would tell me where my rate would be when it comes up to adjust. And mine adjusts every six months. Mm -hmm. Well, it could go up or down. I was cool with that. That was also one of my only options because when I I bought my house, I was a newly 100% commissioned salesperson in the mortgage arena. I had no experience in mortgages. I just started this, this career path. At which point I didn't qualify under Fannie or Freddie or FHA's mm-hmm. guidelines. Um, I later refinanced my mortgage into a 7-1 arm. So 7 mean my rate was fixed in for the first seven years. The 1 meant every year it would adjust based mm-hmm. on LIBOR and based on my index. Mm-hmm. Well, I started off with an interest rate of 5.75. I loved that rate of 5.75 because at the time rates were 6.5. Okay. So I got a lower interest rate. I chose seven years because I was confident I was not going to own this home in seven years. Mm. I still own the home, by the way, because what I didn't factor in is that I would want to retain the property. I retained the property as a rental. Mm. I still own it today. I still have awesome tenants who are in the home. And it's part of my overall wealth creation plan is to have this one real estate property that's going to end up, I'm going to own it free and clear. It's going to be income producing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I still had that same seven one arm. Really? Yeah. I got the mortgage. I obtained the mortgage in 2006. What? 2006. I obtained, I obtained that home loan. Did, was the LO you were working with kind of like gave you that option or like do LOs today still like pimp out arms? Is it like a- They should. So loan officers, you should be given your, especially in today's environment where rates have just shot up by almost a whole entire percent over the past like eight weeks, Mm -hmm. you should be showing people arms, but you're also going to make them have to listen to this podcast episode. Like loan officers, when we, when we do these episodes, we're not just doing them for you. Like we're doing them for your clients as well, for your realtors as well. We want you sharing these episodes Mm -hmm. with your realtors, with your clients. That's why I don't hide from the fact that I work. For Waterstone Mortgage, but I still do not mind pimping out <laughs> the movements and the guaranteed rates yeah. and the guilds and and the cross countries of the world, FBC, mortgage firm. Like I think about the people we've had on the show mm-hmm. or the companies that we talk about because it's not about one in particular company. Mm-hmm. It's it's honestly about the mortgage industry and teaching home buyers how to become better home buyers and realtors how to become mm-hmm. better home buyer uh, better realtors and and home buyers how to become better fiscally responsible adults yeah. and how to pass that along to their children and create yeah. generational wealth. And it is about loan officers becoming the best loan officers that they can be so they can influence their, their local market and their, and their communities, mm-hmm. right? Add value to their communities. So um, more loan officers should understand arms. More loan officers should be recommending arms as an option and more consumers should be educating themselves that arms aren't evil. That is why we're doing this episode, John, because yeah. you came to me and you're yeah. talking about how arms are evil. And Brian Young was telling me how, how yeah. his interpretation or impression of arms was evil. And I had to explain to both you guys as friends, no, 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 subprime loans were evil. And subprime loans were usually done with arms. And those arms were really evil. Mm-hmm. We don't have those anymore. Arms can be fantastic financial instruments for the right person, right? And an FHA 30-year fix is a great loan for some it's not a great loan for all. Mm-hmm. 
a 30-year fixed mortgage with no monthly mortgage insurance is a great option for some, not for all. Paying two points to buy down your interest rate. That's a good strategy for a select few, but not a good strategy for all. Mm. It's just good to know that these options are options worth exploring, especially if you educate yourself and you understand that an ARM is a great product. So back on my example, I've had this mortgage. We're in 2021 now. Come November or December, that's when I would have actually, that's my anniversary date. So that has me coming up on 15 years on this, on this okay. mortgage. Okay. So from 2016 all the way through the end of 2013, that's seven years, right? If I do my math right, mm -hmm. six plus seven is 13. My rate was fixed at 5.75. From 2014 to today, my rate has not one time been over 5%. Really? It's been as low as like 2.75%. Yes. So the adjustable period has totally worked in my favor. Dang. My servicer, my loan's been sold three times since 2013. And every time it gets sold, my servicer is calling me. They're sending me letters in the mail. They want me to refi. Now's a great time to refi, Mr. Rowan. I'm like, bullshit. No, it's not. <laughs> it's a terrible time to refi. Like, I can't go get a rate this cheap. Oh like, I gosh. love the fact yeah. that... Every December, I get excited. What's it going to adjust to? Now, granted, it has adjusted down to 2.75, and it's made it back up to four and a quarter, and right now it's at three and a half. But every single one of those is below the 5.75 that I originally signed up right. for and said, I love that rate. Let me go with it. Question for you. At the at the end of the month, when you uh, what does that percentage translate into dollars? Like your monthly payment, like... 50 bucks, 75 bucks. Like well, what was a the... good, a good rule of thumb on a $200,000 loan is for every eighth of a percent, which mortgage rates typically turn into an eighth An eighth is 0.125%. Okay. So if I ever want to talk, like I could count by eights, one eighth, one quarter, three eighths, a half, five eighths, three quarters, seven eighths, a, whole, uh, a one yeah. or 0 0.125, 0.25, 0.375, 0.5, 0.625, 0.75, 0.875, one. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Every eighth, eight, interest rates tend to move by an eighth or 0.125%. For every eighth on a $200,000 loan, it's about $15. Okay. Okay, so if the average loan was $250,000, mm -hmm. then that would be somewhere around $22 to $23 per eighth. Okay. Let's just call it 25. Yeah, let's yeah, round yeah, up. Yeah, let's yeah, be yeah. conservative. So a quarter percent on a $250,000 loan is, is uh, 50 bucks. A half a percent is about 90 bucks, right? Mm -hmm. $90 to $100. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so it fluctuates by $90 to $100, but so does my homeowner's insurance. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Especially if you're living in the state of Florida. Holy cow. Bro, I'm I asked that question because um, I'm, I'm frugal with my AC and my heat. But like in the, like the winter months, my, my AC bill, my electric bill last month was like 60 bucks month before that it was like a hundred and something because it depending on the weather down here but like it ebbs and flows but i don't necessarily miss it because i understand that so i was just trying to equate yeah. that to yep it's um and, and for us what we have done like what my wife and i have done is is when when it dropped we actually one year kept paying the same you can do that oh yeah yeah because then the extra money went towards my principal reduction i shaved some years off of my mortgage now there's other times it didn't make sense for me financially to do that what I, what I then did is I took the savings and I put it into a savings account because mm -hmm. I knew the home was built in 1996. It was going to need a new roof. It was going to need a new AC. I started budgeting for that new roof and that new AC oh, with the savings. There's been another time that I'm like, you know what? We, we haven't been doing the best job of maxing out our IRA. 
let's go ahead and let's bump up our IRA contribution by this $150 a month that we're saving. Mm. 75 to her, 75 to me. Yeah. Let's us, you know, put an extra grand or so into our IRA. There's various things that we could do with that savings. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, I'm a conservative person, especially from a fiscal standpoint. So I still budgeted based off the 5.75 interest rate. That's really, yeah. But as it went down, I used that cash windfall to my benefit. That's really smart. Yeah. But that's just, it's just a good example that arms aren't evil, especially like we have a client right now. He's like, I'm going to have this home paid off in five years. I'm like, awesome. Let me show you a seven, one arm. Why seven? Because he may be wrong. He may have miscalculated. Hmm. Life may throw him a curveball. Hmm. So let's fix him your rate at seven at, for seven years. I can get you an interest rate. That's half a percent lower than what I can get you on a 30 year fixed. And it may be the same rate I can get you on a 15-year fix. The problem with the 15-year fix is that payment is going to be higher than what he's comfortable paying. Mm -hmm. right, this guy is, is, is at a point where he's trying to prepare to retire. It makes more sense for him to take more money and throw it into his 401k because he's at an age where you can, I don't, don't know if you know this, but if you're of a certain age, you can actually double up on your 401k contribution. I did not know that. So it makes more sense for him to be doubling up on his 401k contribution and keeping his his mortgage payment on the low yeah. end. So a seven year arm makes the most sense for him because it keeps his cash flow the highest because the loan's a 30 year loan, the amortization's based on 30 years. The rate's fixed for seven, which is fine because he's pretty confident he's gonna have this home paid off in five. Oh, yeah. Even if he misses the mark and it takes him six and a half years. He's still got the same rate. But I was, able to, I was able to help him obtain a cheaper interest rate. Made all the sense in the world, right? I have, I have a friend of mine who who moved into Florida on a temporary assignment. He's a contractor in Orlando because we have an uh, Air Force base 40 minutes away. We have NASA 40 minutes away, SpaceX 40 minutes mm -hmm. away. You have a ton of defense contractors. Lockheed Martin's here, Northrop Grumman's here, et cetera. This gentleman comes in. He knows that he's here for three to five years. Three to five years, that's it. He buys a house because his company part of his relocation package. I mean, they pay closing mm -hmm. costs, realtor fees. So it just makes sense for he and his wife to own a home. Okay. For some people, by the way, yeah. if you're transient like that, homeownership might not make sense if your company is not picking up closing costs and realtor fees mm -hmm. because his company does and he has a really sweet reloca uh, re relocation package or reload package, then he does it. A 30-year fixed mortgage for him doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't. He, he should go five or seven years, right. a five or seven-year arm. I, because I'm conservative, would do seven. If he's more aggressive, he may do five. And you said there's three-year arms out there? There are three-year, yeah, three-year arms out there. Sometimes you have to look at what's your savings, though, right? If I'm getting two and a half on a three-year and 2.625 on a five-year, I'd pay the extra eighth and percent to have the, the luxury right, of having right. two more years on that mortgage. But I think the, the, the overall um, goal of today's episode was to try my best to explain there is a huge difference between a subprime loan and an arm and that overall arms, adjustable rate mortgages, they're not evil. They're not for everybody, but they sure as hell aren't evil. Yeah, I think you did a great job explaining it to me because now I understand them. So do this, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus. <laughs> if you like the content that John and I are producing, please share us. Please like us. When I say share us, like if you're a loan officer, feel free to share it with your realtors. Feel free to share it with your clients. Mm -hmm. We love it when you do so. Like we're putting this content out there for the masses, for all. Mm -hmm. Uh, follow us. We're on Instagram. 
We're on Facebook. If you want to see some of the really funny stuff that mm-hmm. Coleman does behind the scenes, taking clips of this show and and um, putting them to clips of of other shows. <laughs> um, Instagram yeah. at the Loan Officer Podcast, Facebook at the Loan Officer Podcast, LinkedIn. Follow us there. I'm Dustin Owen on LinkedIn. YouTube. We love the comments and the commentary. Yep. Show suggestions. Yeah. Uh, questions like we're here at your service as much as we can be, but we can only continue to do shows like this. If you are willing to share us, like us comment, uh, and give us some feedback for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you for tuning in. He's John Coleman. I'm Dustin Owen. That's all the time we have for today. We'll catch you on the next episode. Deuces. Peace.